few years ago, I was asked to come speak to a group of kids. I don't remember if it was at a camp or at a Christian school or something like that, but I came to a, speak to a group of kids, and um, I brought a bag like this with me. I brought a bag in. And uh, I asked the kids to guess what I had in the bag. So what I have in this bag is what I'm going to talk about today. And uh, I had the kids guess. And, and kids began to guess things. Is it a video game? Uh, is it candy? And, uh, you know, things that they wanted me to talk about. And I said, no, it's not one of those things. And I said, something else. It's something the Bible talks about. And let the kids guess. And, and so, Caleb, I'm going to say, when you get it, don't tell your dad, okay? I want him to get a chance to guess, okay? So, so uh, I had the kids guess. And some kids, well, is it a Bible? And it's not a Bible. And they began to guess other things that are in the Bible. Is it water? Is it? So I think somebody guessed leprosy. I said, no, it's not leprosy in the bag. Brought a bag of leprosy. No, it's not that. I said, I'll give you a hint. I'll give you a hint. Uh, what's in this bag, if I take the lid off the bag, it will no longer be in the bag. So it'll leave the bag the moment I take the lid off. So kids begin to think, okay, maybe something in the Bible. That, okay, they thought maybe it's a bird or something. So maybe it's a sparrow or, or a raven or a dove. Maybe it's a snake. It's going to slither out. So it's not one of those things. Something else in the bag. So I'll give you one last hint. Any kids know? Any kids know? Okay, one last hint. I said, what's in the bag? If I open the lid, it will leave the bag. But the moment I put the lid back on, it will return to the bag. It'll leave the bag if I take the lid off, but it'll return immediately as soon as I zip the lid shut. Do any kids in the room know what's in the bag? What is it, Caleb? Darkness. That's right. Yeah, who got it right? Everyone in the room. Okay, very good. Yeah, so I have darkness in the bag. If I take the lid off the bag, what's going to happen? The darkness is going to leave because the light is going to pour into the bag. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 6 tells us that light and darkness have no fellowship with one another. They're not going to be able to rule together. Uh, if I have the bag filled with darkness, that means there's no light in the bag. But the moment I put light in the bag, there's no darkness. You see, they're not going to be able to rule the same space at the same time. thing is, light is energy. Light is a thing. Light is Light comes from a source. There's light. But darkness really is just the absence of light. I can't put darkness into the bag. All I can do is remove the light and the darkness will be there. That's the difference between light and darkness. And today we're going to be talking about light and darkness today. So if you have your Bible, you turn with me to 1 John chapter 1. We're going to continue our series in 1 John. And we started this series last week. Uh, we talked a little bit about who John is. John is one of the 12 disciples of Jesus. Okay, so if we want to know what it's like to, to be around Jesus, to know who Jesus is, what it's like to walk with Jesus and know Jesus, John might be a good guy to listen to. Uh, if you, if it's, you're using one of the Pew Bibles, it's page 1021, 1 John chapter 1. John was one of the 12, but not only was he one of the 12, he was one of the three that were closest to Jesus. He spent time directly with Jesus, walked with Jesus, knew Jesus. The Last Supper, uh, the night Jesus was betrayed, they're sitting there around the table and who's right by Jesus' side? Who was there? It was John. He was closest to Jesus, laying right on his side. He wasn't in the next room. He wasn't at the end of the table. He's the one closest to Jesus at the Last Supper. A few hours later when Jesus went to the cross, he's on the cross. Which disciple was there? Which disciple did Jesus say to, uh, take care of my mother? This is your new mother. Mother, this is your son. Which disciple did he say that to? It was John. It was John. So if we want to know more about Jesus and what it's like to walk with Jesus and who Jesus is, John might be a good guy to listen to. And let's see what John has to say about Jesus here in 1 John chapter 1. We'll start in verse 5 together. He says, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is 
is light. And in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus' son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Let's pray. Father God, we do thank you again for the chance to gather this week uh, to look into your word. Lord, we pray that your spirit would teach us this morning. Uh, as we look at these words of truth, Lord, we ask that your spirit would impart truth on our hearts today, that we would leave change, that we would leave not only feeling closer to you, Lord, but being closer to you and closer to one another as a result of encountering you through your word this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So John says, here's the message. So here's John. He walked with Jesus. He knew Jesus. He's one of Jesus' closest followers. And he said, this is the message we have heard from him. Who's the him? It's Jesus. The life that came into the world that we just read about a few verses earlier. He says, this is the message we've heard from him. And now we're proclaiming it to you. We're not keeping this message to ourselves. We're going to now share the message with you. And here's the message. Do you want to hear the message? Here's the message. God is light. That's the message. God is light. Now, if you were a Jewish reader, this idea isn't anything new. You've heard this before. Uh, the scriptures, the Old Testament Jewish scriptures, told us that God is light. In Psalm 27.1, it tells us that the Lord is my light and my salvation. John's Jewish readers would have been familiar with this. The Lord is my light and salvation. Picture this idea that you're, you're out at sea. You're in a boat. Maybe you're lost. It's dark. It's at night. Maybe there's a storm coming. The clouds have covered up the stars. You're, you're without direction. You're being tossed around by the sea. You're twisted around. You don't know where you're going. You're lost in the darkness. But then you look out and what do you see? You see a beacon of light coming from the shore. There's a light out there. There's your light. It's your salvation. You've been saved. You've been rescued because you can go to the light. And that's what John said. That's what the psalmist is saying. The Lord is our light and our salvation. Jewish readers would have been familiar with this. Uh, throughout the book of Exodus, we see that, that God led his people out of, out of Egypt. And at night, how did he lead them? It's a pillar of fire. He was a light. We see the Shekinah glory of God. The Jewish people knew God is light. They were familiar with this. Psalm tells us uh, the Lord, the, his word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. God is light. The Jewish people knew this. But he's also writing to people from a Roman culture too. And they had their own gods. And, 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 and John doesn't just say God is light. But what does he say next? What's the next thing he says? God is light and in him is no darkness at all. See, the Roman readers, they have gods too. And their gods had some light in them too. They might be good also. But John's saying that God is different than them. You see, they had darkness in them. All the Roman gods, uh, they might do good things. They might do good things. There's some good works. They'd show favor among, uh, to people. But, God, but they'd also do evil things too. Uh, they're very fickle. They'd bitter, they're bickering and fighting with one another. But God is saying, or John is saying that God is not like those other gods. In him is no darkness at all. God is light. There's no darkness. John doesn't feel a need to explain what darkness means and what light means. He gets it, that we know light represents good. 
and holiness and purity. He doesn't say, here's what I mean by light. We all know this, what we mean by light and dark, right? We know this. If you've been around, if you've been in the world, we know we use these words all the time. Um, Ever seen Star Wars? Anyone seen Star Wars? Okay. There's a dark side. No one watches Star Wars and says, so wait, the dark, are they the good guys? Or the we know. Dark is evil. We all know this. Darkness represents this. Uh, you have kids. Has a kid ever said, I'm afraid of the light? Have you ever heard a kid say that? What are they afraid of? The dark. No, have you ever heard someone say, I wouldn't want to come across them in a well-lit alley? Have we ever heard that before? No, it, no one's afraid of the light. We, we understand light is good. It represents holiness and purity and goodness. And light represents, or darkness represents evil and wickedness and bad. Uh, somebody lights up a room. We don't say, I can't stand that person. No, we like that person, right? Or someone says, you know, I'm going through a really dark time right now. We don't say, well, that's great. Oh, you mean dark isn't bad. We get it. Dark is evil, wicked, bad. We get that. John knows his readers know that. He said, God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. God is different than the other gods that you might have worshipped. God is different from other philosophies which say hey, there's good and everything and evil and everything. There's light and dark. It's all intertwined. John says, no. God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. No evilness, no wicked agenda, no lies. God is completely good, completely holy, completely pure, beautiful. We're attracted to that light. God is light. Another thing that light does is light reveals truth. That's a key feature of light. Uh, we turn the light, we can see. If we turned off the light, we remove the light in the room, uh, we wouldn't be able to see anything. Light reveals truth. It doesn't make new things there. It just reveals the things that are already there. Uh, last week was the women's retreat. How many were away at the women's retreat? And I never get this. I don't know if I should say this, but I never understand. What, what do we call uh, women who get together on Tuesday mornings to study the Bible? What, what is that? Females when they get together. What do we call that Tuesday morning at 9 o'clock? Ladies Bible study, okay? But then we have those same women. They go away for a weekend retreat. And what do we call that? The women's retreat. Why are they ladies when they study the Bible? What are they doing on this retreat that they're no longer ladies? I never understood that. Um, I don't know. Maybe I should have said that. But it's ladies Bible study, women's retreat. Okay, who knows? All right. Um, Anyway, so my wife was away at the women's retreat and working in children's ministry when I did that here, I loved uh, women's retreat day because it's kind of funny because all the dads have to get their kids ready that day. And girls come in with ponytails sticking out of the side of their head, you know. Uh, they're all wearing the wrong name tag. Some kids come in with the parent pickup sticker on their, you know, Q47 over here. And um, so it's, it's a fun day. But not this year because my wife went away this year. And so now I have to get my kids ready. And so I have to get them up. And not only was my wife away, but uh, my brother and his wife and their four kids came and visited us last week. And now because my brother's in town from Minnesota, my sister said, hey, I should visit too. And so she came from Reading and so she's there and her husband and their three kids came and stayed with us. And my wife, maybe that's why my wife went, I don't know. Uh, so she <laughs> left. And so I'm home, not only my three kids, but my brother's four kids, my sister's three kids. There's bodies all over the house. And so I get up early in the morning. They have to leave so they didn't come to worship with us here, but they had to head back to Minnesota so they can get back to school. But, um, so I have to get my kids ready. Now I don't want to wake everybody up so I don't turn on all the lights. I get my kids ready in the dark. And, and so I get them ready. I get Wesley up and, you know, I, we get him dressed and brush his teeth and have him get him something to eat. And now we're ready to leave to come here to worship. And um, right before we leave the house, I look him over. And I look, I, I did a pretty good job. Okay, yeah, I did it. You know, look, his hair looks good. He's got his glasses on. His clothes are clean. Teeth are brushed. Face, I, cleaned, I saw a little smudge. I cleaned his face. He looks great. We walk out the door. So we walk out of the dimly lit house. And then we walk into 
the spring sunshiny air. <laughs> and we step out into the light. And I walk down the driveway and I open the door for him. And I turn and look at him to let him into the car. And I see the kid is a mess. His hair is sticking up. His glasses have like chocolate pudding smudges on them. He can't even see through his glasses. He's got peanut butter. I'm like, peanut butter on your face? We didn't even eat peanut butter. How do you have peanut butter on your face? His nose is running. He's got a toothpaste stain down the front of his shirt. He's wearing two different pairs of shoes. And I'm like, I just checked you a minute ago. You were clean. You look good. What happened? And, and it was the light's fault, right? He looked great in the dark. But I bring him out into the light. The kid's a mess. Is that what it is? Now, he was a mess earlier. It was the light revealed the truth. The light revealed the truth. It shows us what's already there. And it's real easy sometimes for us to hide in the dark and say, man, we look pretty good. I got it all together. I got it figured out. But as we step into the light of God, if we get closer to him, as we step into the light of his word, the truth is revealed in our lives. We find out we're not as clean as we thought we were. And don't laugh about me getting my son ready because I know you do it too. I've seen some of you too coming in. I know you got dressed in, in the dark. Um, I know once <laughs> I found a dryer sheet in the hallway once, okay? Now, either somebody was doing their laundry here in church, maybe, okay? Or someone walked in with a dryer sheet stuck to their back and it wasn't until they fell in, fell in the hallway. So we all do this, right? We, but we get dressed in the dark and we look, man, I look pretty good. But the truth is revealed in the light. And so now here we have John. He says, God is light. Light reveals truth. And over the next several verses, he's going to talk about some parallels. So we parallel light and, and dark. God is light. In him is no darkness. And, and God, his light is, reveals truth. We're going to look at some truth and some lies. And so if you look real quick, look down at verses 6, verses 8, and verses 10. So real quickly, just look at 6, 8, and 10. Do you see anything? Does anything jump out at you in those three verses? Particularly in the beginning of those three verses. Do you see it? If we say. Do you see that? Verse 6. If we say. Verse 8. If we say. Verse 10. If we say. John's going to talk about some things that we say that are not true. If we say these things, we're lying. If we say these things, we're deceiving ourselves. If we say these things, we're making God a liar. He's going to talk about some things that are not true. And these lies are revealed in light of who God is. But then in verses 7 and 9, he's going to talk about the parallel of that lie. Or this is truth. So if we say this, we're lying. But here's some truth. If we say this, we're lying. But here is some truth. We're going to parallel light and dark. Lies and truth. Well, look at the first one. We see it in verse 6. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. And this first lie has to do with fellowship. This fellowship. And it's saying here, if we say that we have fellowship with God, we have a connection with God, we have a friendship, a relationship with God, but we're walking in darkness, well, that's a lie. Remember, God is light. God is the light. And we know that light and darkness have no fellowship together. 2 Corinthians 6 tells us this. What fellowship can light and darkness have? God is light. How can we be in darkness, cowering in darkness, hiding in our sin, and have fellowship with the light? Well, that's a lie. 
But I think to understand this better, I think we need to understand what does it mean to walk in darkness? And what does it mean in verse 7 to walk in light? We really have to, um, I guess, define these terms. What does it mean to walk in darkness? And some might say, okay, well, we talked about how dark is bad, or dark might be evil, and wickedness darkness. And so maybe it's talking about our works. If we're, we're walking in wickedness, walking in evil, we're doing bad things, maybe we're walking in the darkness. But then as we, we do good things and we do good works and we or show kindness and love to people, maybe that's walking in the light and now we're walking in the light. And he's talking about our deeds, the things that we do. I think that's not what John's talking about. I think John's talking more about the idea of truth. Remember, God is light and light reveals this truth. And I think the idea is as we're walking in darkness, we're walking in lies. We're not believing the truth of who God is. And as we walk in the light... We're accepting that truth. We're, we're walking in the truth of who Jesus is. Think of John chapter 8, verse 12. You can turn there if you want, but real quickly, this is the same author. This is the apostle John, and he's writing in John chapter 8, and he records Jesus as saying this to a group of Pharisees and a group of his disciples. What does Jesus say? Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Jesus says, I am the light of the world, and whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So follow me here. If we're following Jesus, if we're walking with Jesus, and we're not walking in the darkness because we're following Jesus, then what are we walking in? We're walking in the light. So walking in the light, we're following Jesus. We're not following Jesus, we're walking in the darkness. What does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to walk in the light? I think it means we believe the truth about who Jesus is. That we come and we say, we believe the claims of Jesus. We believe what the apostles have proclaimed to us. That Jesus is the light. He's the life that's come into the world. That he is the son of the living God. And he came here in the flesh. And he walked amongst us. And he lived amongst us. And he lived without sin. He is perfect and he's good and he's holy. And Jesus walked amongst us and lived without sin. And then he was taken and, and, and you know, he, he made these claims that he is the son of God. He was arrested. He was accused of blasphemy. He was sentenced to death on the cross. And he died for our sin. He took the punishment that we deserved. He took the penalty of God that was intended for us, that we deserved because of our sin, because of who we are. And we walk in the truth. We walk in light. We believe that and say, yes, that was me. I've sinned and he took that penalty in my place. Walking in the light means we're walking in the truth, we're believing this truth that Jesus died on a cross for us. He shed his blood for us. And then that, that sacrifice was accepted by God and it was proven by the fact that he rose again. And we say, we believe that. I believe that. I'm in the truth. I'm in the light because I believe that. And now as we believe this about Jesus, who he is and what he did, now we're going to obey him. And we want to obey him. We want to walk in those good deeds, not just to get in the light, but because we believe the light, because of who he is, we want to obey him. We see that he is so much better than everything else. So we walk and we obey him and we follow him. And that's what it means to walk in the light. Not to do good deeds, but that we understand the truth of who Jesus is. And that's why we do the things that we do. Walk in the light means to believe in Jesus and to follow Jesus. Walk in the darkness then would be to reject that truth. Say, I don't believe that about Jesus. I don't need Jesus. I'm fine the way I am. You're in the darkness. You're living a lie, John says. And if you're here walking in the darkness and you claim to have fellowship with the light, we lie. We lie and the truth is not in us. Walking in the light is following Jesus. What does he say next here? So if we walk in the light as he is in the light in verse 7, there's some things that happen. There's some results of that walking in the light. 
What's the first thing we see? If we walk in light, if he's in the light, what do we have? We have fellowship. And it's interesting, because as we're reading verse 6, John says, if you're walking in darkness, you don't have fellowship with who? The light. You don't have fellowship with God. So verse 7 is, if we're now walking in the light, who is our fellowship? We, we would think he's going to say here, our fellowship is God, right? Walking in darkness equals not having fellowship with God. So walking in the light must mean fellowship with, we think, God. But he doesn't say just God. Obviously our fellowship with is, is with God. But who else is our fellowship with in verse 7? It's with one another. John kind of throws us a curveball here. It's not just with God. We're in the light as he's in the light. We have fellowship with him. But we have fellowship with one another. And I think sometimes we, we get a little confused about this idea of what is fellowship. And sometimes we use fellowship as a verb. Have you ever done that in the church maybe a little bit? Say, hey, let's fellowship together. Let's have some fellowship. Uh, we have a room downstairs called the fellowship hall. And that's where we go to fellowship with one another. But John's not using that word as a, as a verb. It's not something we do. Fellowship is something that we have. Fellowship is our relationship with one another. We are in this partnership together. We're together. We're united in this because we're all walking in the light together. If you're walking in the light, you're walking in the truth of who Jesus Christ is, we have fellowship with one another and we're walking together. And you get this picture. I said earlier, uh, walking in the light. Maybe you pictured yourself walking in the light. But did you picture yourself walking with a group of people? Picture yourself walking, maybe think I'm getting up to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. I turn the light on, that's me walking in the light. But that's not the picture John gives us. He says if you're walking in the light, you have fellowship with one another. It's this idea that we're walking together. We're following Jesus, we're not in the darkness, and we're doing it together. And that means we help each other out. Fellowship is something that we share, it's not something that we do. I guess maybe an example would be like family. I have a family. And because of that relationship, we do things together. We spend time together. We help each other out. We eat together because of our relationship. I don't sit around the table and say, hey, let's family together. That's what we do because of our relationship, because we are family. Fellowship is the same way. We spend time together. We help each other out. We pray for one another. We carry one another's burdens. That's not fellowship, but that's what we do because we have a fellowship. Does that make sense? Alright, so that's what fellowship is. And you get this picture that we're walking in the light together and we're helping each other out. And maybe I stumble a little bit as I'm walking in the light, so you come alongside me and maybe help me out. Maybe my burden's a little bit too heavy and you say, you come alongside me because we're walking together in this fellowship together as we walk in the light. Maybe you help me with some of my burdens and maybe I'll help you. And as I stumble, maybe I see that you're a little bit ahead of me in your journey walking in the light. And so maybe I kind of follow you and, and you help me out a little bit and we're training each other and we're discipling each other and we're helping each other out as we walk together in fellowship following the light Jesus that's that picture of fellowship so we have fellowship as we walk in the light as he's in the light but we also have something else what else do we have what else happens to us as we walk in the light verse 7 we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin If we're walking in the light, it's not our good deeds that cleanse us, but that we're walking in the truth of who Jesus is and what he's done for us on the cross, and we've been cleansed from our sin. His blood cleanses us. It's not our works. It's not how well we walk. It's not avoiding all those potholes or or it's not stumbling, but it's his blood that cleanses us as we walk in the light. Interesting thing about uh, 
There's these words here. Look at this. But if you walk in light, as he's in light, we have fellowship with one another. The shed blood of Jesus, his son. What's that next word? Cleanses us. His blood cleanses us. Uh, when I'm in the darkness and I sin, I mess up. What do I do? I, I, can, I can hide in the dark. I can let the darkness cover me. But that's not what happens in the light. I can't cover anything up. I'm in the light. Truth's revealed. But I don't have to worry about covering up. I don't have to worry about hiding my sin because it's cleansed. He cleanses us. And you notice this word, it's not past tense. It's not he cleansed it before, but now I better get my act together because it's already been cleansed. It's an ongoing thing. His blood cleanses us. And then I messed up, but it cleanses us. And I messed up again and it cleanses us. It's an ongoing thing. As we're walking in the light, he continues to cleanse us. As we stumble, as we fall, he cleanses us. But just the really small sins, right? Cleanses us from all sin. All sin. As we're walking in the light. Not because I'm walking, but because of what he's done. Not because of my works, but because of his grace and the truth he's revealed. Because I'm following Jesus. I believe in what he did for me and who he is. His blood cleanses us from all sin. Well, some of John's writers might say at this point, well, that's great, but I don't have to worry about that. See, I'm a pretty decent person. I'm in the dark here. I look really good in the dark. I haven't sinned like you guys. I'm okay. I don't have to worry about that. There's also a false teaching going on in the church here that says once you are a believer, if you are in the light, if you're following Jesus, if you're a Christian, well, you don't have to keep the laws. You don't have to do any of those things. And so if you don't have to keep the law, if there's no law, that means there's no sin. And so I don't have to worry about sin. That's not my problem. I can live however I choose to live. I don't have to worry about sin. You think John's going to address that? What does he say next in verse 8? If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. We're lying to ourselves. Have you ever met anyone who claims to have no sin? Yeah, so, and maybe sitting next to something? No, okay. Um, growing up, my grandmother would always tell me she'd have no sin. And I would always talk to her about Jesus, about the gospel. And I would say, Grandma, don't you believe that you're a sinner? And her answer would always be, well, nobody's perfect. I said, Grandma, I'm not talking about nobody or everybody. I'm talking about you. Do you believe, Grandma, that you're, you're a sinner? And she says, ah, we all make mistakes. But Grandma, I'm talking about you standing before a holy, righteous God. Are you a sinner? And she would never admit to her sin. Well, maybe I might have messed up when I was younger, but I can't think of anything. And that was her answer. I, I'm not a sinner. I, 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 and, and I thought, okay, maybe that's just my grandmother. But now I've, as I've grown up, I've seen other people believe this, that we're good. We're pretty good people. I'm not a sinner. Maybe that's something other people do. Where we compare ourselves. I remember I was at a fair once. A county fair. Um, I think I shared this message uh, when I came to speak with the Light in the Park people. I may probably have heard, maybe you've heard me share this story many times as I did Light in the Park training years ago. Uh, but I was at a fair and I was in front of a group of people and I was sharing a gospel presentation and there's kids there and there's parents and grandparents and a group of people and I got to the part talking about how we are sinners. I said, you know, we've all sinned, we've all messed up. And a woman speaks up, an older woman, she speaks up and says, excuse me? My grandson, Billy, are you saying that he's a sinner? Like, oh, man, I didn't expect this. And so I kind of just freeze. I know somebody, you know, and, and she's just standing there waiting. And the whole crowd looks at her and looks at me for an answer. Am I going to tell this lady that her poor little grandson is a sinner? And, and um, I look over, you know, he's smoking a cigarette, stealing someone's wallet. But anyway, you know. Um, but yeah, so, so I said, okay, well, you know. So I, I think I said, okay, well, uh, Grandma, 
I don't, I don't know Billy. Maybe Billy is a wonderful boy. I'm sure he is. You know, he's your grandson. Maybe he's one of the best, most well-behaved boys that have ever walked the earth. But um, can you read this verse for me? And I just took her to Romans chapter 3, verse 23, and in front of everyone, I said, can you just read this verse for me? And then tell me what you think it says. And she reads it, and it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I say, Grandma, for all have sinned. What does that verse mean to you? And she looks around, she said, it means everyone's a sinner except for Billy. And she closes the Bible and wanders off. Uh, but we're confronted with our sin, and we say, it's not me, it's everybody else. And, you know, it's not just her. We do this. You think back to Adam in the garden, the very first sin. God, Adam's in the garden, and he, he eats the fruit, and he knows he's wrong. What does he do? He goes and hides. He looks for darkness. He covers up, and he hides his sin. And God says, hey, Adam, um... By any chance, did you happen to eat the fruit of the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And what's Adam's response? Does he fall on his knees and say, oh God, I've sinned against you. What does he do? He blames others. He says, well, I, you know, God, um, you know the woman that you gave me? Um, she gave me the fruit. And what am I going to do? Say no, you know, she's my wife. She gave me the fruit. And so, yeah, I ate it. Did I mention that you gave me the woman? You know, and he's blaming God. And he blames the woman. It's everybody else's fault. And we do that. Remember growing up, I would do this. Uh, remember my brother, I had a little brother, and he would do this thing. So little brothers, you do this thing. I'd be like in my room, and he would do this thing where he'd step into my room, just stand in the doorway of my room, and do this like dance or something like that. I'm like, get out of my room, okay? And then he'd stand, oh, I'm not in your room, I'm not in, you do this thing. Little brothers, do you do, why do you do that? Anyway, so he's doing this to me. I'm in your room, I'm not in your room, I'm in your room. And he's doing this. And so I just go over, now you're not in my room, just fall, you know, okay. <laughs> And so he runs and tells my parents. He goes, Benji, because that was my name back then. He says, Benji hit me. Now I get in trouble. And so my dad comes up to me and says, Benji, did you hit your brother? I said, but he's being annoying. It's his fault. And dad, if you would have done a better job raising your son, uh, I wouldn't have that. It's not my fault. It's his fault. It's your fault. And there's a reason I did it. And we blame others and we make excuses. Anyone else do that? Yeah. We do this as people. We blame others. We make excuses. And it's not my fault and everybody else. And if everyone else would just get their act together, I wouldn't have to sin so much. And we, we don't call our sin what it is. And John says, if we say we have no sin, we lie. We deceive ourselves. Uh, Jeremiah 17.9 tells us that the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Anyone ever hear someone say, just follow your heart. Believe. Don't believe your heart. Your heart's a liar, Jeremiah says. Your heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Don't listen to it. It lies to us. We deceive ourselves. Our hearts are deceitful. We lie to ourselves if we say that we have no sin. But then John follows this up. And, we, and we've all heard 1 John 1, 9. Maybe many of us have. Have we memorized this? Anyone know this verse? Can you say it? Probably you could. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We know this. But sometimes we take this out of context a little bit. We have to remember, this is like a, a sin sandwich here. I guess the sin's like the bread. But in verse 9 or verse 8, he says, you know, if we say we even know sin, we're lying, we're deceiving ourselves. Verse 10 is, if we say we've never sinned, we're making God a liar. But in between, it's this verse, if we confess our sins. I think sometimes we misunderstand this because we, we get this idea of confession messed up a little bit. We forget what it means to confess our sins. Uh, we forget what that means. It doesn't mean to ask for forgiveness. 
To confess doesn't mean to say, I'm sorry. It doesn't mean to feel bad about it. It doesn't mean to ask for forgiveness. That's not what it means to confess. Confess comes from a compound of two Greek words. Two Greek words. Uh, One of those words means the same. Means the same. And the other Greek word means to speak or to say. And so to confess literally means to say the same thing. To say the same thing. Um, last week, the pastors, I hear some of the pastors chuckling in the room. Last week, uh, yes, yeah, over the last week, we went away to a conference in Kentucky. And so all the pastors were away. And we were riding back in the van. Some of them are getting nervous right now as I'm talking. Um, and uh, so we had the pastor staff and we had the youth intern staff too, which is Alex Hartranft. And uh, so we're all in the van. And Alex asked a question. And he said, um, how, when you're preaching, you're coming up with messages, where do you get illustrations from? And I said, you get them from everywhere. In fact, I'm going to take an illustration from our van ride right now, and I'm going to put it in my sermon tomorrow. So here it is. So we're in the van, and we're talking, and we're discussing. And some of the pastors are saying, well, I think this or this or that. And then there's another group of pastors that say, well, I disagree. I kind of think this or this or that or that. And it's not a heated discussion. We're not, arguing. we're not mad with each other, but we're saying different things. Well, I don't know. The scripture says, that, oh, yeah. Well, what about this verse and that verse? And so we're going back and forth. Do you know pastors do that? Is that all right? Okay. And so we're having this discussion in the van. And I'm saying this and you're saying that. And then somebody comes up and says, you know, I think we're saying the same thing. We're saying the same thing. Well, what does that mean? means we agree. <laughs> what you're saying is what I'm saying. What I'm saying is what you're saying. We agree. That's what it means to confess. It doesn't mean I'm asking for forgiveness. It doesn't mean I'm sorry, although it, it may imply that. But it just means I'm saying what you're saying. What do we say in verse 8? If we say we have no sin. What do we say in verse 10? If we say we have no sin. What do we say in verse 9? I'm saying what you're saying. I'm not going to say I have no sin. I'm going to call my sin what you call it, God. If you say I have sin, I'm saying what you're saying. And look what happens. If we say in verse 8, we say we have no sin. We're lying. We're deceiving ourselves. We're making God a liar in verse 10 if we say we have no sin. But look what happens in verse 9 when we say what he's saying. He's faithful and he's just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I don't have to cower and hide in the dark because I'm clean. If we confess our sins. Um, how much time do I, I don't even have glasses. I forgot my glasses because I haven't unpacked yet. How much time do I have? I got like five more minutes. I'll share a quick story. Um, I tell this story to my kids all the time. And uh, I talk about two kings in the Bible. Two kings. And, and one king messed up. Uh, God said, when you go to battle with this nation, don't take any spoils from the battle. So one king, God tells him to do that. That's the command that God gave him. Little thing, don't take the spoils of the battle. But he goes to the battle, God gives him victory, and what does he do? It says, and not, not just the people, but it says he took the spoils. He and the people take the spoils in the battle. They take the sheep, they take the oxen, they take the goat, they take the cattle, and they bring it back. Well, God sends a prophet to, uh, to this king, and the prophet comes and says, and, and the king sees the prophet coming right away. He's like, hey, prophet, how's it going? God gave us victory. Isn't that great? And, and he actually says, I obeyed the commands of the Lord. The prophet says, well, what, what is that I hear? I hear the bleeding of sheep. I smell something. It doesn't smell like you obeyed. It doesn't sound like you obeyed. What's up with all the sheep here? And what, is the, what does the king say? The king says, well, it's those people. They did it. I'm, not me. I'm just the king. No one listens to me, right? It's the people who took it. You don't understand. And not only that, the people took it because we're going to do some good things with it. There's a reason we did this. We're going to give sacrifices to God. So really, it's a good thing that we did. But what does the prophet say to the king? 
Because you've rejected the command of the Lord, your kingdom is going to be taken from you. Because you've rejected the Lord, the Lord is rejecting you. Little thing. He took some sheep. But there's a second king later, second king, and, and this king did something much worse. This king was doing something, he was somewhere he shouldn't be, and so he saw something he shouldn't have seen, and then he went and acted on it. He lusted, he committed adultery with a married woman, and then he ended up murdering her husband. Lies to cover it up, does all these things. So God sends a prophet to this king. Prophet comes to the king, and, and you know the story, and he gives him a little story about somebody who steals sheep. And, and, and the king says, Who's done this? That's a terrible thing to do. And you know the line of the prophet, right? You are the man, which usually it's a good thing to be the man, but not in this situation. You are the man. And what did the king do? Did he make excuses? Did he say, no, well, you don't understand. And I was going through a tough time. And, you know, if she would have been dressed differently. Did he, what did he do? He falls on his knees, falls on his face and says, I agree. I confess. I'm saying what you're saying. I've sinned against the Lord. He did a much worse thing than the first king. But what was God's response to the second king? First king lost his kingdom. You were rejected. But God says to the second king, your sin is going to be forgiven. There's going to be consequences, there's going to be results, there's going to be some pain because of your sin. But your sin is forgiven. First King God says that your kingdom is taken away and you're not going to have any descendants in your kingdom on the throne. But he says to the second king, you're going to have a descendant that's going to be on the throne and to his kingdom there will be no end to the second king. We all know who that second king was. It was David. And we know who that descendant is. It was the Lord Jesus Christ who came into the world. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the question is for you today. Are you walking in the darkness? Are you walking in the light? Are you walking in the light of the truth of who Jesus is? What he's done for you on the cross? And now that you're walking in the light, are you actually walking like you're walking in the light? See, I can get up and go to the bathroom in the middle of the night and stumble and trip over things and stub my toe on the bedpost. And that makes sense in the dark. But if I turn the lights on and I'm walking in the light and I still trip over my shoes and step on my daughter's skateboard and stub my toe on the bedpost, something's not right if I'm doing that in the light. So you've got to ask yourself, you keep bumping into the bedpost night after night after night, um, are you really walking in the light? And if you are, then maybe you need to move some things. Maybe you need to change some things around. Maybe you're walking in the light, but remember, you're not walking alone, right? If we're walking in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And so maybe you're, you've been walking, you've been in your journey for a while, but look around, maybe there's some people in this room who need your help. Maybe you can pick up a load and, and, and take somebody else's burden. Maybe somebody else has stumbled and you can help them along. Look around, we're not walking in the light by ourselves. Let's walk together. We share that fellowship with one another. And maybe you're here today and you realize, you know what? I'm not walking in the light. I'm walking in the darkness. I've been lying to myself. I think I have fellowship with God. I've been deceiving myself. Today's the day. Let's, let's get in the light. Let's walk in the light and let's walk like we're walking in the light. Let's pray. Father God, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth. We thank you that you are the light of the world. God, you are beautiful, you are perfect, you're holy, you're good. May we pursue you, may we love you above all else. We may we desire to walk in the light just to be closer to you. Lord, we ask that you just work in our hearts and your spirit will continue to, to bring us this message throughout this week. In Jesus' name, amen.